Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. I'm going to use this djembe to get your attention and to use as a little table. And I'm sitting down because the series, the name of the series that we're going through is called Tired. And I'm tired. So this is, you know, when you share from the word and when you're preaching, you want to make sure that you're sharing something you're familiar with and that you know and that you're not just regurgitating something that somebody else said. And I get this. I get this idea. Um, but I'll also be honest with you, I'm also searching to see what God wants to show me personally. We'll talk some more about what that looks like to look at it from a personal perspective. Um, but I want to um, share something with you on this topic before we jump into the scriptures. We'll be in Luke chapter 10, like I said. But one of the things um, that's helped me is uh, my Real Simple magazine. I know many of you men um, can't wait to get your subscription of Real Simple. Uh, this is mine. Uh, my wife gets it. Uh, used to get it. And uh, January 2007, there's a lot for me to, to catch up on. My uh, 16 marvelous 20-minute meals. Uh, the best new jeans and flats. So um, that's out of style now, so you don't want to really look here. Um, snack smarter and get slim. And there was another section in here that I wanted to share with you. They asked uh, men and a couple ladies, what would you do if you had 15 extra minutes in a day? So this is what I want to ask you. You usually let you text it up, but I actually want you to say it out loud. So you can like just kind of yell it out, popcorn. If you had 15 extra minutes every day, what would you do with it? Like a gift. Like God just said, you know what? For you, there it is. 24 hours and 15 minutes to your day. Some of the things that they wrote in, um, they said, I would uh, sit down on the couch. I would uh, stretch. I would write thank you notes. Um, I would cook a healthier meal. Um, what would you say? Sleep. So you get a little 15-minute power nap. Boom. Okay. What else? Read. That was one of them. I'd read my romance novels, what they said. <laughs> what else? Worship. 15 extra minutes. Learn Spanish. <laughs> a little extra 15 minutes. Okay. One more. Or not. Okay, here's, here's where I want to go with this this morning. Because we've been talking about tired. I want us to talk about what matters most. Because you have that extra 15 minutes. They ask that question. And when you think about it, the people that were even reading that magazine go, I wish I had an extra, extra 15 minutes. They spent 15 minutes reading the article. Then they spent the time sending in their answer. Instead of taking that 15 minutes. So this is what I want us to hear this morning. Is that you have more time than you think. 168 hours. Does anybody know what that is? You're very familiar with, with what 168 hours is. You just don't realize it. It's one week. 
So in one week, you have 168 hours to choose what you're going to do with that. And here we are looking at this little 15 minutes. So if you were to take 168 and divide it and uh, multiply it times four, that's how many 15-minute increments you have. So you have all that time, but what are you going to do with it? Because you have the choice, but what happens is, is that we, we get caught up. It's like a river, and it flows, and we're doing things. And we don't even know where our time goes. And so then we're like, I wish I had extra time. But you really do have the time. Now, I'm giving you a reprieve here. This is not going to be a time management Sunday morning. So we're not going to really focus on your time management. But what we are going to look at is, if you have this 168 hours, what should you do first? What should... If you were to step back and look at these 168 hours that you're given, what should you do with them? Where should you start? What should, it, what should the shape look like? You know how you can take something and um, like those guys in the cornfields and they'll you know, carve it up and they'll do all these things. I know you think they're aliens, but they're people. And they'll carve up these things in these cornrows and then you don't see anything because you're right there. But if you step back, you can see what the bigger picture is. That's kind of like your 168 hours. You're right in the midst of it. You're in the weeds. But if you were to step back and look at it from a distance, what would the shape be? What would, if someone were to say, you know what matters most in this person's life? What would they say? Because they could back up and look at where your time is going. So open up your Bibles. Um, you should be in Luke chapter 10, but I want to show you a couple verses that we've been looking at. Uh, we are hovering, living, memorizing i hope you're memorizing matthew 11 um but we've been memorizing this verse matthew 11 verses 28 through 30 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light for this morning, I want us to focus on just this section right here, highlighted in orange. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And as we talked about last week, as we were discussing busyness, and we'll kind of do a little carry on with that. What yoke is, it's not egg yoke, that's Y-O-L-K. Y-O-K-E is what oxen have to help them pull. And so it helps them to work together. So you put it on one oxen and another oxen and they work together. And the, the symbolism there is what a, a teacher, a, a master says to their disciple, their student, their apprentice. You know what? I'm the old ox and you're the young one. So come in with me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because you're a young ox. You don't really know what we're doing here. But I've done this for a while. I know where we go poop. I know where we go pee. I know when we pull. I know when the master's coming. I know when, what we're supposed to do. So come up with me and we'll walk together and I will teach you. So when a rabbi was asked, can I follow you? He would say, take my yoke upon you, which means follow me everywhere I go. Listen to me and do everything I do and watch how I live life. Watch my rhythm. So here, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. So when we talk this morning about what matters most. The expectation as a follower of Jesus is that you're saying, Lord, I want to come up next to you and I need you to show me. I'm not going to listen to the people around me on what's important. I really want to come to you and I want to hear what's most important. 
And as we continually hammer home every Sunday almost, we always go to the greatest commandment, right? The one thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Or another way to say this, that is what matters most. If I'm going to take these 168 hours and I'm going to start somewhere, what do I do first? What is, if I were to step back and look at the cornrows from way up and look at my 168 hours, what impression am I going to see? Am I going to see what really matters most? Is, have I put my effort into what matters most? That's what I want. Isn't that what you want? And if we do that, Jesus says, we will find rest for our souls. Okay, let's look at the greatest commandment. Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Which is another way to say, look, everything in the word of God, everything that matters to me and to my father in heaven can be summed up here. Love God with everything you have. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's what matters most. Don't get lost. Don't get distracted on the way. But we do. And so I want to do a couple things this morning. But as I said earlier, I'm actually going through this very intently for my family. I'm doing it for, our, for me personally. My, uh, my wife and I, our, our kids... We're really trying to step back and look at our life and go, okay, we have these 168 hours that we're responsible for, but they're also a gift. They're a gift to us. God has given us these 168 hours, but at the same time, it's a responsibility. And we want to make sure that we don't look back and go, oh, I can't believe I wasted time on that. I should have been doing this, but I got distracted. I got lost in that. And I want to take a little detour because I think this is super important for us and our culture. And it is, it is taking over. And I remember when I saw technology, it was always there. It's not like it just appeared. But I remember when it happened and I, I understood it was present. I was, um, I was sitting in a meeting, a meeting we have every week. This was uh, in, in the beginning, in the beginning, not Genesis 1, but in the beginning. You'll understand when I tell you what it was. We're in this group and this guy who's an early adopter, he called himself, um, pulls out this square-looking phone that cost way too much money, and it's an iPhone. And I think, that is dumb. Really? How much did you spend on that thing? It's just a phone. And in our meetings, this is all he was doing the whole time. I, we're talking and working on stuff, and he's got... I'm like, is this guy kidding me right now? Like, I wasn't in charge of the meeting, so I didn't want to, like... I was like, seriously? This is one of my friends. Just scrolling through stuff and looking at stuff and blowing things up and, you know, I mean, he didn't have anybody text because he was an early adopter. There was no one to really send stuff to or, and there were certain things he couldn't do because he was the first guy. But literally, he would be completely lost into this phone while everyone else was looking at each other in the eyes. And I remember thinking, this guy is blowing it. He's missing it. And the reality is, I have to keep myself from doing that today as I'm mocking this guy because I have this technology in my backpack over there. Usually it's in my pocket, but I don't want to talk about it and bash it and then have it in my pocket and then I'd look like a hypocrite, but it's in, my, it's in my backpack. And it's a constant battle for me. It's a constant battle for my wife, my friends. 
to make sure our kids don't sit there and stare into phones or whatever else they're staring into because we have cognitive overload. We have too much information. Right now, as I'm talking to you, some of your phones are blowing up in your pocket right now. Bing, email, bing, text. And some of you are like, well, nothing bing, but maybe someone's trying to get a hold of me and I missed it. Maybe I should check. And so in the middle of me being boring, you might pull it out and look and you're already distracted because that's one of the ways that we can so easily get off track. So what I want to do is something different. We don't typically approach um, studying the scriptures this way. We do, but not typically. I want us to look at Luke chapter 10. And I want us to fly above, up into the atmosphere. And I want us to not look at scripture from a microscope. We always talk about looking in context. But I instead want us to look at this all together. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Which is another way to say, watch how I do life. Watch how I direct others to do life. See what matters most to me and make that what matters most to you. So I was going to choose one part of Luke chapter 10. And I said, you know, what? let's just step back. Let's really look at this and see what he does. And then I just noticed a very clear pattern that's here in this chapter. And it's pretty much everywhere. And see if you can figure out the pattern on your own. So let's start here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 10. So after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So he has his disciples. His disciples are not just the 12. Those are the apostles. A disciple is a student. The apostles were the ones that he kind of put in charge. But there were all kinds of students of his. And so these are 72 that he sent out. And he sent them um, together, two by two, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Again, notice the patterns. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I'm sending you out like lambs. Among wolves, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. We'll drop down here to verse 17. After the 72 came back, they came back and they, it says they had joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Watch what he's doing. With, what is he asking them to do? To sum it up, he's telling them to put their faith into their feet. To move. But who are they moving to? Let's drop here to uh, verse 25. So this is all together, right? This is like boom, 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 boom. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So this religious lawyer said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is another way to say, what matters most? And then he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And so this man, this lawyer in the law says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And 
Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, you nailed it. Do this and you will live, which is another way to say, actually do it. Like walk this way, live this way. Don't just talk about it. Don't just argue about it, but live this way. And then he asks the religious leader, well, then who is my neighbor that I'm supposed to love? And that's when he goes into the story that we traditionally call the Good Samaritan, where there is a priest and he's walking down the road on this long road and it's a dangerous road. And as he's on this road, he sees a man on the side and he's dying. But this priest has work to do. He's got to go to the temple. He has work to do. And if he touches this dead man, he can't do his work. So this guy could be dying. I'm not quite sure. I've got God's work to do, so I better not stop. And he keeps going. A lawyer, basically like the one asking the question, is coming down the road and does the exact same thing, probably for the exact same reasons, and probably something you would do, even if you weren't going to do it because you went, you know what, I've got more important things to do. You might go, but you know what, someone just took him out, they're probably going to take me out. That's why you don't stop on the freeway, right? When you see someone like, oh, someone's going to help them, and we always think someone else is, but if we were to stop, what if they're lying? What if this is that charade I heard of where they come out with a tire iron and they hit me and they steal my car? Like we all kind of think those things. Or what if I put them in the car and then they do this and if I give them the ride? What if that was really a ruse? They don't really need gas. You would probably do the exact same thing. So we look at these two men and we're like, oh, I can't believe they did that. But then, and I love what one of the translations says. Says one of the despised Samaritans. Because this religious Jewish leader who's asking this question would despise the Samaritans. They did not get along. It's like racism at its finest. They both hated each other, both these groups of people. And he says, You know the one you hate? This guy stops and takes care of him at risk to his own health, at risk to his own work schedule because he's probably a businessman going, he had work, he had appointments, and he stops and puts that all to the side to take care of this stranger. And as he takes care of this stranger, then he takes him to this hotel and says, hey, take care of him. If this isn't enough, put it on my tab. Who's going to do that? Yeah, right, I'm going to put it on your tab. Because they knew him because they trusted him because he was a man of character. And they knew he was a man of his word. And so they let the, the injured man stay. And then Jesus asked this question to the religious leader after he tells this story. So what should you do? And basically, the religious leader says, I should probably be like the one who showed mercy. Doesn't even want to say the Samaritan man. Doesn't even want to say the word. But he says, I'll be like the man that showed mercy. The one that put feet to their faith and loved another. Because the greatest commandment is very simple, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we step up from a distance and look down at our life, it should look like that. We should be able to tell, other people should be able to tell, but especially us should be able to look at that life and say, you know what, my life is structured that way. That is really what I'm doing with my time. That's, what I'm, that's where I'm putting my efforts. And as we talked about before, maybe it's not that we're so busy, but that we're busy with the wrong things. I was going to share another part of Luke chapter 10, but I, I want to share something with you guys. If we could put up um, uh, John 10.10. 10. Because we're running out of time, and I really want to make sure that we bring this home to where you're at right now. Not just individually, but as a group. 
so this week I had a certain day at a certain time where it was one o'clock and I remember looking over at Steph and I go, you know what? I feel like someone just stole my entire morning from me. And I had this commitment that I committed to that I said I would do and I was doing it. And as I said that and felt that, I was reminded again of this verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, that morning was stolen from me, but I allowed it to. I'm the one in charge of my schedule. I could have said no. It was a very good thing that I was a part of. It was actually loving other people. But it wasn't the best thing. I don't think at that moment that I was actually letting the Lord decide that I would do that. I just, well, it sounds good and they, they want me to do it and be a nice, I should just do it. It was a family commitment for my kids. And as I'm doing that for them, I'm realizing, you know what? They didn't really ask me to do this, but I think I need to do this. I should do this. And so I'm getting all frantic and distracted and trying to do stuff. And I allowed it to be stolen. And so the thief does come to steal and kill and destroy. But if we take the Lord's yoke upon us and walk with him, instead of being kind of swept along... And let him be the one that says, now I'm sending you out. 72, go out this way. Go. If you see someone in critical condition on the side, then that's a time to step over and take care of business and care for them. But there's also a time and a rhythm for us not to do that. Because it's not just about, hey, are you loving people? Because you better be doing it all the time. Your day from minute till end needs to be filled with that. Because remember, we need to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what I want to close with. If you could look at the end of Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So Jesus and his disciples, this is after all this, they were on their way. And they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to them. Which means she invited them. Jesus, I want to take care of you. Come. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know what happens when we get really busy? We get rude. (laughs) And we try to multitask. These are actual literal symptoms. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then I want to close with us listening to Martha's words. I mean, to Jesus' words, to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried. Another way to say that is you are anxious and you're upset about many things. You guys know what this is like, right? To be anxious, worried, irritable, rude. I do. But few things are needed or indeed only one. Only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What was she doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, being with him. There is a time to walk. He sent the 72 out. There is a time when someone's in need that you need to stop what you're doing and you need to step to the side. And there's also a time and a rhythm 
for us to sit at the feet of Jesus and not be so worried about what we're doing for him. I wanted to have a really clear, like, precise answer for you. Now go do this, and it would be really simple, but it's not that simple. Because what Jesus is calling us to is to take his yoke upon us and walk with him. It's not the same every day and every minute. When you step back and look at your 168 hours, you should be able to see a pattern. And if you're willing, I brought uh, calendars back there where it's broken out for 168 hours. I'm going to do this this week, and I challenge you to do this. Keep track of this week where your 168 hours are going, including your sleep. You'll be surprised where your time actually goes. When you pull your phone out and you go off on the wandering thing for half an hour, or you click on that link because you need to get you know, digitally stimulated, write that down too. Whatever it is that you think you're doing, wherever you're wandering, write it down. And then step back and look at it from up high and see where your time is going. And then come to the Lord and say, Lord... What changes do you want me to make? Where do you want this to go? I want to invite up uh, Aloha Friday. I'll invite them up to lead us in worship. If you guys could all stand with me. Um, we're going to take the offering right now. If you're visiting, please let it slide by. Uh, you can drop your connection card in there. Um, the purpose of this offering is... is Whatever the Lord wants. That's what we as a leadership team try to do. Please pray for us in that. Um, Because as we tell you all the time, we have no idea what we're doing. And we really want to seek the Lord. So as you are, um, if you are going to put anything into the offering, please pray for that as you drop it in. Um, And then we're going to take communion. And I'll come back up and introduce that. Um, So the song that they've chosen is pretty perfect. So please make this song your prayer. Father. You make all things new. We surrender ourselves into your arms, Lord. Help us to look at our our lives, which we've handed over to you. So now they're your life. And we want to be crucified with you. It's no longer us who lives, but you who lives in us. And the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and died for us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.